Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be continuing our series on parables uh, for us this morning. So I'm going to be looking at Matthew. We've already heard a little bit from Matthew uh, this this morning already. So I'm going to be looking at a parable uh, there and continuing this series. We've heard a few different ones already. So if you have a Bible, either on your phone or paper version, if you're still into that kind of thing, uh, you can turn to Matthew uh, chapter 22. And I'm going to read this to us and then uh, we'll pray and get into what we're talking about this morning. So Matthew 22, looking at these stories that Jesus told that as we saw there in the bumper, they are stories designed to give us life. There is a message for us in them. And so we're going to dig into it this morning. So this is what it says. Uh, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my uh, prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened car, cattle have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, one, uh, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready But those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here Without wedding clothes, the man was speechless. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot uh, and throw him uh, outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Let's pray and then we'll look into this parable, look at this parable in more detail. Father God, we thank you for your word. All of it brings life and truth to us. And as we, your people, or people searching, people on a journey, people here today, we come and we want to learn the the lessons that you want us to draw from this passage. We pray, Father God, that during these moments as we unpack this parable, this story, Jesus, that you told, that you will help us to hear your truth and we will apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, the parable of the wedding banquet. I have to say, I think Dan stitched me up, right? Because he was the one who put the brief together for this. There's kind of a similar parable in Luke. 
It's the parable of the great feast. All right? And that parable would be much easier, okay? because there the people don't come, and then there's the message about go and invite everyone, and I could preach a nice, you know, encouraging message about inviting people to the banquet. That is here, but if you notice, there are a few interesting little features in this parable that are a bit challenging. Like, for example, the king kind of gets mad and goes and burns the city. What's that about? And then the later bit about the person not wearing the appropriate wedding clothes. So we'll take a few minutes and work through what's going on. So there's a king. And I guess in this story, the king is likened to, to God. Uh, not all of the, 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 the facets of it are exactly what God is like. But it's this idea that there is a king who is throwing a wedding banquet for his son. And it's kind of speaking about, you know, there is this great invite that God makes to all of us about the, the, the feast. Last night, we had, a, or yesterday, there was a banquet going on in here. Some of you might have been here when there's been weddings in the church. Picture that kind of thing in your mind, except in God's great banquet that we might hope for and we long for and will happen. Good news. Well, I, I, I'm saying good news. I don't know, actually. But I'm, I'm pretty confident there'll be no clearing up afterwards. <laughs> amen. Can I get an amen? Where's Graham, Joe, Neil, all the people who are here? Or anyone who's been in church for any length of time, you will know what it's like, yes? Hosting a wedding or a, 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 a meal in church. We have to clear up afterwards. And it always takes way longer than we think. But I do think... And some of you, again, if you've been in church, you'll know what I'm talking about. In heaven, I'm still pretty convinced that we'll be sat around go-pack tables. <laughs> in fact, I think in heaven, there's just this massive store cupboard. Because like churches up and down the country, I think it is in the Bible, that churches must have a whole stack, a store of go-pack tables. And we will fit as many people around there as we can. I also hope, and we've had a few events like this in church ourselves, we won't be cutting the tablecloth. You know that you, you buy the roll and you have to try and cut it real neat. None of that in heaven. Anyway, there's a banquet going on. There's no clearing up afterwards, but there is a celebration. And uh, you know, the, the, the point is made that this is, this is a real big deal. Uh, the, 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 uh, the fattened cattle uh, has been um, sacrificed. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered. Food wasn't in you know, great supply in ancient culture. People didn't have lots to go around. So to have a feast where you're, you're, you're killing these animals to, to serve to other people, you know, that, that's a pretty, it means it's a big deal. It's a big event. So there's a wedding, but people have been invited. And what would happen is you would send some people out and say, we're going to have a wedding, but we don't know exactly when it's going to be. So just be ready, and then servants will come, and they will tell you when it's about to start. So that's why you get these kind of two invites. You've had the initial invite, which means that these people have said, yeah, I'm going. But then when the second invite goes, the people say, nah, not interested really. Now, I don't know if you've ever had that experience in your life. We might need some prayer afterwards, where you've hosted an event, and people have said, yeah, I'm coming. Anyone know this sort of thing? Or perhaps over the past two years, what we've been hoping is, we've got this event going on, please Lord, let nobody get COVID. <laughs> because then they won't be coming and other people will be like wondering, should I go? 
So you might have had that experience where in your life people uh, have said, you know, you've put on an event and then people kind of make a bit of an excuse or just things happen and uh, people don't really want to commit. And it's kind of like just as in ancient, uh, today it was in an ancient culture. I kind of know a bit about this, about people not being uh, ready to commit, because uh, I'm part of a little WhatsApp group where, bless Ellis, Ellis is stood at the back, every week, bless his heart, he tries to get 10 lads to play football. And you would think, you would think that getting 10 lads to play football would be easy. But oh my days, every week, I've got about 300 messages. I might be there, I might not. I'll see what I can do. I'm working, it's for this time. And it goes on and on and on like this for 10 people. So, Alice, you do a good job, and uh, long may it continue. But maybe the issue is learn from this parable, Alice, throw the net wide or throw the gates wide open, invite everyone. But it's hard. People don't want to commit. And I don't know, you know, there was all sorts of excuses made. But people didn't want to, to go. And so the king decides, and, and this whole business with um, going and burning their city, uh, part of Matthew's, uh, sort of his, what he's trying to show is that there's a challenge to the Jewish leaders. This comes in the context of three parables all about how Jewish leaders re- rejected Jesus. And ultimately what happens, AD 70, there's a big event where uh, Jerusalem is destroyed, the temple's destroyed. And so there's kind of an allusion to this sort of thing that goes on. That's probably what's going on uh, with with where uh, Matthew is talking about the city being destroyed, is that ultimately rejection will bear consequences. But the king says, okay, these people haven't come, so now I want you to go out and I want you to invite anyone you can find. And so all these people come, and then we get to the challenge later, which I'll come on to in a moment. But there's the challenge of this person who is there at the wedding, and they're not wearing the right clothes. And so this person then gets challenged for that, and ultimately is sent out of the celebration. Now, I kind of want to focus in on that for a few moments. But a couple of things before we we get to that. The first thing is that this is all about a wedding banquet. It's a celebration. What Jesus is teaching people is that God has something good for people to enjoy. Amen? And I think that sometimes we need to remind ourselves that what we are calling people to is good news. Yeah, like our message sometimes just becomes, you know, come to Jesus, behave yourself. Come to Jesus, be good, which is part of it, and that's where we'll get to later. But this is because, not, not because, oh, we've done these things and now we should behave and settle down and be calm and be good. And I know that for, for some in the room, like the idea of going to a party or a celebration, you're like, Yeah, I might be that person making the excuse. I'd be the one at the party, just sat in the corner. But there's something for people to enjoy. This is good news. God wants people to enjoy life. And it's not just about come in and behave, but come in and celebrate and get to know all the goodness that God has for you. I've talked about, yes, there is a future hope where God will, we will celebrate a great feast, a great banquet in heaven. But there's a banquet of, of life that God wants you to enjoy now. 
But we're calling people to this thing and we don't always do a good job of making it look like, yeah, this is good. God wants us to flourish in life. And the thing, the way that we believe that that happens is by saying yes to following Jesus and to saying yes to that invite. And actually, God, I am going to come and enjoy all that you have. And yes, that might result in a change of behavior, but it is because I want to flourish in life and all that you have for me. So we've got to go and send the message that actually knowing Jesus is the best. And this is about flourishing in life and embracing the goodness and all that God has for us. To live life in all its fullness. This is a banquet. And I love, by the way, just before church started, as I said, I was sat on the front row, just kind of getting prepared, and I could hear all the, the excitement behind me. You know, all of the... The, the, the conversation and just people saying hey, hi to one another. And you, and you feel like in church, it's a reflection of that. This is a place of celebration. And that happens before. It happens now during the service. It happens after. But you might have been in those churches before where you go in, and it's very quiet, and we don't want to stand up at the wrong time and say something in the wrong place. No, this should be a place of celebrating life that God has given us. So there was a wedding banquet, and we would do well to remember that we are calling people when we are sharing the good news with them. It is good news, <laughs> and we should believe that it is uh, good news for us. The other thing, uh, just a, another little point about this parable, is it says that when, when the, the servants go out and invite anyone, and they go sort of to the, the, the old parts of the city, the roads leading out of it, that uh, it says that then everyone comes in, good and bad. Or actually, bad and good. So everyone's in. Everyone's welcome. And again, if you read in Matthew, and you sort of want to know a little bit more about what it's about and what Matthew is doing, this is actually a bit of a key, key theme for Matthew as well. Look, Matthew often will make this point that, look, Everyone will be brought in. Every, you know, the, the invitation is open to everyone. And God will sort it all out in the end. So good and bad are there. And then in the end, we'll work it all out. Because we can't always tell what's going on in someone's life. That sometimes, and this is a key point from the Sermon on the Mount, sometimes people who do great things in Jesus' name, actually Jesus will say, I never knew you. Other people that might not seem to quite fit the, the Christian sort of model uh, that we have in our minds, actually, they're the ones that Jesus accepts. That's kind of the point of Luke's version of this story, that he's saying, go and invite everyone in. And, you know, it's even the people that might have seem, seemed on the fringes, seemed rejected. So Matthew has these stories about the sheep and the goats, the, the wheat and the weeds. It all grows up together. God will sort it in, in, out in the end. Now look, we have a responsibility to one another. We have a responsibility to care for one another. But we can't always work out, nor should we always try to work out, exactly what is going on in a person's life. That we can sometimes as churches be so concerned about this standard of holiness that we reject or we don't allow others to come in because we're trying to reach this standard of behaving before people are belonging. And, and actually, this is a place that's open to war. We all come in, and God will work on us and through us. So it kind of comes out in Matthew. 
But then there's this final little challenge, and there's a lot that's going on, but the, the, the main point that Matthew or Jesus is making here in this parable is many are called, few are chosen. Actually, there's a need to, yes, the invite, and by the way, many, and, and we can get caught up in numbers. We don't need to worry about that. The point is that the invite is open to everyone. God wants everyone to come and enjoy the life that he has to offer because he's the one that gave us life. And, he, and so by knowing him, he wants us to come into relationship with him so that we can flourish, so that we can enjoy life. Yes, it's open to all, but not everyone will necessarily follow it. Not everyone will persevere right through to the end. And so it's the, 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 the main point is this idea of many are called, few are chosen. But there's a real challenge here. It's a challenging thing to read in the sense of it doesn't seem fair. Verse 11, when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's this, there's, a, there's a consequence, eternal consequence for our actions. And it seems unfair. The invite's gone to everyone and now this guy's just turned up. I don't know, I would just come to this wedding. Someone told me to come. And people have tried to do all sorts of things, maybe said that it was the responsibility of the host to provide the wedding clothes, and that probably isn't what was, would have happened in that culture. The point is, it was very straightforward, actually, for the person to nip home first, get changed into something decent, and go and attend the wedding. And it would be really lovely, I have to be honest, like looking and studying this, you know, that it's a challenging message to bring. Because actually, and again, this is another key theme of Matthew's gospel, is that God calls us to a righteous life. Starting with the Sermon on the Mount, so the structure of Matthew, you know, you've got this, uh, these sermons, five key sermons, and teaching and miracles uh, going in between. But there's a call, this is about how to be a disciple of Jesus. And sometimes because... And I feel like I've had conversations about this recently, whether with people in this church or elsewhere. Because we've reject, reacted to the legalism that some of us would have grown up with about, you know, don't do these things. Do these things and God will accept you. And rather than balancing it or just gently correcting those things, we tend to go to an opposite extreme. God accepts us. doesn't matter. don't care what you do. It doesn't really matter anyway. Uh, and actually, that message is not always helpful for us to hear. Because God actually calls us to a righteous life. And this is what's going on with this person that's come in. They've accepted the invite. They've attended. But they're out of place. And again, maybe you've been to that kind of party where you know, the dress code always fills you with dread, doesn't it? If, you, if you've been to a, 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 a party or something, and like, what does, what does smart casual mean? Um, and, and particularly with weddings nowadays, maybe this is just because I'm getting a little bit older, but I notice, you know, it's not the case anymore, like suit, shirt and tie for a bloke, you know, like that, that was playing it safe, yeah? But now, like, people are a bit trendier, you can even get away with trainers at a wedding, it's like, I'll just wear my suit, I know I'm safe with the suit, 
at the wedding. Um, but, uh, you know, you might have turned up somewhere and, and feel like I, this isn't good. Hopefully no one's ever had the experience where you, you thought it was fancy dress and you've turned up to a party. That would, that would be uh, a bit orcs. Um, but this person's turned up and then they're not changed. They're not in a different place. They're not following through to live the righteous life. And so there is a challenge, as a challenge that goes throughout Matthew's gospel, that God is calling us to something greater. And there was something that, uh, that Gail Dowding said when, she, when uh, they were here for the big weekend. She was relaying a story about a conversation she's had with someone in church. And they were saying, but surely God wants me to be happy. And she said, which I thought was a great line, God doesn't just want us to be happy. He calls us also to righteousness. That there is something beyond just what is good for me. And there is something about God. I want to live a life that is committed to you. And I know because I've preached these messages. I've heard these messages. And grown up in church where you can feel like, oh my goodness. You know, the weight of living a righteous life. But I want to encourage us this morning. That God does. He calls us. And he says, come out of where you are. Come from the place where you are now and come and join in this banquet. But that's going to require something from us. Because certainly thing that, that really matters and means something is going to require something of our lives. So one of the challenges is that we can kind of so ignore that call that like anything goes, doesn't matter. God forgives me, doesn't he? God loves me. Yes, true. But he doesn't always want us to stay in the same place. The other problem is, and of course this is again the problem with legalism, is that we create this self-righteousness. Well, I don't do those things. And I might have done that, but that person's done this. And so we make judgments based on, you know, well, how is someone else seeming to do? And if I'm self-righteous, if I look good in my own estimation, then I'm doing all right. When really, we're measuring up to God's standard. Now look, we've tried in churches before, let's have a list of things we should and shouldn't do. And sometimes, it can be helpful to kind of say, hang on, do we think these things are helpful? Because like, our external world influences our internal world. So, like sometimes, we need to help ourselves. But just doing those things doesn't create righteousness on the inside. So my, my, my job here this morning, I'm not going to say, hey, if, if we do all of these things and don't do all of these things, then we'll be righteous. Now, hopefully you're not disappointed by that. But I want to offer a few thoughts that will help us in our pursuit of righteousness. Not just the, oh, God wants me to be happy, but God's calling me to righteousness. And that... Although there are other things that we could maybe look at from this parable, for me this was the, the bit that really stood out, this idea that there's a person here that is a challenge to us as we read it because it doesn't seem like it's fair, but when we understand God's heart is, hang on, I want you to be changed and transformed. I want you to move from where you are now so that we can pursue this righteousness. So the first thing you know, wonderfully, uh, uh, you know, encouraging stuff. But it's this idea of denial. To live righteous 
God calls us to a life of denial. It comes up in Matthew's gospel, comes up in Luke as well, where Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, be a follower of me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Denial. What does that look like? What does it, what does it mean for us to be people who deny ourselves? Um, Maybe we're not always good at that, that sort of thing. We're not very good in our house, just confession time, at denying ourselves a takeaway from time to time. It's like, it's the weekend, we'll have a takeaway. It's been a busy Monday, we'll have a takeaway. It's sunny outside. Well, you know, it might just be us, right? You know, but that's what it's like. And uh, particularly this week, the summer shine is glorious. Right? We don't deny ourselves and then we make a commitment afterwards. No, we're not going to do that anymore uh, until the weekend rolls around. No, we're not, that, we're not that bad. Dean will tell me off. We're not that bad. We're not always good at denying ourselves, but we do like to give ourselves the nice things and we create reasons why. But denying ourselves I think sort of one of the, the ways that we could think about it is this idea that we are living our lives not just thinking about what is good for us, but we are aware of the people around us. There's this idea in, in theology that, uh, um, that, that because of our sinful nature, we have a tendency to be curved in on ourselves. Humanity curves in on itself in the sense of we tend to think about what is good for us. There's a nice Latin phrase in curvatus in se, I think, or something like that. Anyway, there you go. You can look up the Latin after for yourself. But, then, but it's this idea that humanity curves in on itself. God gives us these great gifts. He's given things for us to share with others, but actually we tend to want what is good for me. So denial of ourselves is saying, God, I'm not just thinking about myself in, in the pursuit of righteousness. I'm going to think about how I can serve others around me, people in church, people in the world around me. So we deny ourselves. And maybe there is a challenge for us today that there are things that we would prefer, things that we would like, things that... We want, but part of our commitment to the kingdom and to the cause of Christ is to say, God, I'm willing to lay that down. I'm willing to offer that up and to, to let go of my desire so that I can pursue what you have for me. There's denial. The second thing, discipline. To live a life of righteousness requires discipline. And for me, to make this real simple, discipline is about a commitment to doing what is right. Now look, here today in this moment, listening to a sermon like this and, and, and we'll worship afterwards and offer it all to God. And we can make a decision right now and say, yes, God, I'm going to do what is right. But the rubber hits the road tomorrow and the next day. And the day after, and when things aren't so good. And when it is a miserable Monday morning and it's raining and things are bad and the morning's not gone as it should. And there's, there's something that confronts us, whether at work or family, wherever we might be. And actually, we make a commitment to do what is right. 
And one of the things that, you know, we've been doing as a feature in church is, is something called This Time Tomorrow, talking to people about where they'll be this time tomorrow. What is it they, they do that they do? And this is something that, you know, it's not just a nice little thing. That, you know, oh, let's find out about someone's life. I mean, I kind of like it because I'm quite nosy. But at the same time, you know, oh, right, didn't realize they did that. Oh, that sounds really interesting. But it's because, this is a sort of a side point, but your work is part of your God-given purpose. That so often, again, in church, we send the message, the people who are up here on the platform, the ones who work in church, they're serving God. My ministry is what I do in church. Work is what I do the rest of the time. No, no, no. We're put on the planet to make this world a better place, to tend God's creation, however that looks. And that can be, as we were hearing last week, by being the best financial uh, consultant, manager, advisor that you can be, or doctors, nurses we've had up here, and all sorts. Whatever that job is, actually, that's all part of God's plan for your life. But one of the themes that comes out as we do those interviews is people saying, I've made a commitment to live out kingdom values where I work. That actually I might not always get an opportunity to tell people about Jesus, because it's not always going to present itself. But I can live with a different standard. I can make a commitment to do what is right, to treat people with dignity and respect when other people might not necessarily, to, to show forgiveness when other people might not. So we make a commitment to do the right thing. And when we read the Bible and all that you know, it teaches us, all that, that Jesus shows us, and going back a few chapters in Matthew to the Sermon on the Mount, it's a great place to start. This is how we should live. This is the way that we should behave. And it starts here in church, behave, how we behave towards one another. A commitment to say the right things, do the right things. So discipline, a commitment to doing the right things. Say, even when I don't feel like it, I know that this is the right thing for me to do. This is the right way to go. Because, God, I'm, I'm not just thinking about the moment, but I'm pursuing the best that you have for me. The final point is this. So denial, discipline, devotion. The part of that pursuit of righteousness is saying, God, I devote my life to you. I'm giving myself wholeheartedly to you. A few weeks ago when I was sharing, I was talking about the fact that I'm a forest fan, um, praying hard because we need, we need to buy players. Anyway, some of you don't care, but that's fine. Also praying hard that England win cricket in cricket as well, but yes, anyway. But it's amazing, isn't it? Because you look at at football fans, football supporters, they wear the shirt. There's a devotion that comes through. People will give their lives to this thing. They buy the shirt. They buy the season ticket. They travel the length and breadth of the country to watch their team. Freezing weather, you know, uh, chucking it down with rain. It's nil-nil, but they're still there. And look, I, I don't want to get into a whole thing of like guilt tripping. It's very easy to do that sort of thing with this. But sometimes, you know, our approach to church, do we think, do we have the same, as in gathering together and being part of God's family? Is it, is it the same 
Do we have that, you know, when football players score and they, they point to the badge, you say that same sense that people would look at us and say, there's a person who is devoted to Christ. There's someone who you can see they're wearing the badge with honor to say, yes, I'm following Jesus. I'm devoted. By the way, football's not a bad thing. Praise the Lord. Um, you know, if you need to give it up for the kingdom, then, you know, but it's, it's actually Jesus, you're above everything. And I'm devoted to you. And part of uh, just what I've been making a daily prayer of mine um, is may the words of my heart, sorry, (laughs) words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Maybe that's something simple for us to adopt, that each day when we wake up we say, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. That's not always easy. Because we interact with people. And I know the sort of things where you're in the staff room and people are talking about someone, oh, they're not very good. And, you know, how do you navigate all of that? And it's that thing of, you know, may the words of my mouth, how can I bring something of God's kingdom into this conversation? It might not be a word, it might be elsewhere, but how can I bring something of God's life and wisdom into this? Rather than just join in. But actually, God, because I'm devoted to you and I want everything to be for your glory. Look, we make mistakes. Of course we do. We mess it up many times a day probably. But I'm not talking about the fact that we are perfect. It's the fact that we are pursuing righteousness. To say that I want to be further on than where I was yesterday last year, five years ago, that God, you are transforming me. And that where we've created sometimes a gospel message that says, it doesn't really matter because God forgives us. And yes, it's true. And God doesn't want us to live with guilt and shame. But sometimes there is a need for godly repentance, godly sense of, hang on, I've got to do some work here and pursue righteousness. Because I'm devoted to you. God, I'm giving myself to you. And where I am tomorrow, I want to bring something of the kingdom. And I want to enjoy life and enjoy that banquet because this isn't just for a day in the future when we will celebrate and it's true. But there's a life to live now. God is calling us. just wonder if the Sam team could come back up. and We'll spend a few moments responding as they play. And we'll worship together. And as we, as we worship, as we sing, maybe this morning we need to take some time to say, God, I devote myself to you afresh. God, I don't want to be curved in on myself. I'm not just thinking about what is good for me. I want to think about others around me. I want to think about that calling to something higher and greater. God calls us to pursue righteousness. Let's all stand together. if you're able.
I'm going to pray for us and then hand over to Sam and the guys. Our Father, we thank you because the invite is to everyone and is to a feast. And may we, we remember Jesus. May we remember God that this is more than just about behavior correction. It's about flourishing. It's about the fullness that you have for us. And God, in light of all the goodness, you have been faithful as we were singing about God. We say we're devoted to you and we pursue the righteousness. Not so that we can be good in our own sight, in our own estimation, but so that we can bring kingdom to where we are. So Jesus, we dedicate ourselves to you afresh this morning. May you do the work in us right now that you need to do. As we respond to what we've heard in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.